Welcome to the Word on Women's Football Podcast, your platform dedicated to spreading the word of the wonderful world of women's football. Hello and welcome to this, the latest edition of the Word on Women's Football Podcast. What a weekend we have had. Let's get straight into it. This week, you can expect to hear all the latest news around the game. We've got our FA Cup review, Championship review, National League review. We'll talk about the FA Cup semi-final previews, WSL preview, Championship preview, National League preview, and all the other goings on. But of course, who are we? We are the Word on Women's Football podcast, your podcast dedicated to spreading the word of the beautiful game. We are here every Monday, 52 weeks a year, into your podcast provider, bringing all of the lowdown, expert analysis, and general chit-chat around the words of women's football. We are trying to grow this game baby step at a time, and without you, we cannot do that. So, let's get into the latest news. This week, we saw the internationals come back. We saw Norway taking on Wales in the only game involving the home nations. That was on Tuesday. It was Group C International. The game was shown on BBC Two Wales, which was fantastic to see. Also shown on the BBC Sport website. So the Wales and Norway. Norway first and Wales are second respectively before the game. And they're separated by four points. Wales had the opportunity to close this gap to one point before the game. However, we know they went on to lose 1-0. But actually, when you look at it, it wasn't the whole story. We look at recent results against Norway. Wales are clearly improving because in their last three games, they've lost 4-0, then they lost 2-0, and then this game they've lost 1-0. So hopefully next time they play them, we should be getting a win for Wales. It was impressive performance from the Welsh, who are aiming to to get to their first qualification of a major final in their history. Natasha Harding fired over, but Gero Wrighton's goal... On the fir- in the first half, proved too much for the Welsh to handle. However, the first second half saw much more controversy, with a second Norway goal disallowed for offside after much deliberation and multiple shouts for a Welsh penalty falling on deaf ears. Now, that second Norwegian goal was originally given. Game carried on. Unbeknown to us, it was then not given. All of it up in the air, to be honest. Wales really did deserve to have a penalty, to be honest, through handball. But there we are. Um, No VAR in it, but we move on. Hopefully, we'll be able to see Wales next in action on the 22nd of October in a home tie against the Faroe Islands. And then again, four days later, in a reverse meeting at home to Norway. Wales will be looking to avenge a defeat in the week gone by. And will look to secure their minimum position of a place in the playoffs. For the final tournament, with Norway looking on taking on third place Belarus at home on the 21st, a day before Wales' tie with the Faroe Islands. It seems that Jane Ludlow's switch from a four to a four-one-three-two formation has a foundation for a strong platform, which the likes of Angra James, Josie Green, and Jess Fitchlock can all really push forward and trouble the defence. If this formation worked is worked on further, then the Norway tie on the sixth will be a tasty one, to say the least. One that I believe is taking is going to be shown on the BBC iPlayer. 
Now, moving on, we also this week we also saw the UEFA Player of the Year nominations come out. On Wednesday, they published a list of three nominees for the 1920 UEFA Women's Player of the Year. The three nominees are, of course, Lucy Bronze, Peniel Harder and Wendy Renard. The winner is going to be announced at the 2021 Champions League draw on Thursday this week. Now we look at the nominees, it's clear to see the domination of Leon, with both Bronze and Renard both paying for the Champions League winners during the 1920 season, with Harder playing for Wolfsburg, who are the, who were the other Champions League finalists. Bronze will be looking to secure a second consecutive title after achieving the award in the 1918-19 season. Harder will be aiming to, re, aiming to regain her title after winning the award in the 17-18 season. Now, the third nominee is the French defender, Renard. She was instrumental in Lyon's recent Champions League victory, a part of all nine of their Champions League finals in her 11 seasons with the French outfit. She is really a true Lyon legend. It's very hard to pick between the three, however, but I believe that Lucy Bronze is a complete player, and in my eyes, there'd be no other winner than Bronze on the night. Now, an honourable mention goes out for the seven other players who made the original top 10 shortlist. In 4th we have Miedemar from Arsenal. In 5th we had Delphine Cascarino from Lyon. In 6th we had Eugène Le Sommer from Lyon. In joint 7th place we had Ada Hergerberg and Amel Magie from Lyon. In ninth we had Marie-Antoinette Catoto from PSG. And in 10th place we had Marosan from Lyon. Now, for those of you who have been keeping count, seven out of the ten nominees for the Women's Player of the Year, the UEFA Women's Player of the Year, have come from Lyon. Dominant performance yet again. But then we look at it, Lucy Bronze has left there now. She's gone to Man City. So hopefully, with per, um, Peniel Harder being there as well, in the Chelsea, Chelsea side, we could potentially have three solid candidate for UEFA Player of the Year next season. Really hope we get to see more players from WSL making their way into the UEFA Player of the Year category. To be honest, we, we all know it's the best league in the world, so now we need to start showing that we've got the best talent and we're going to start getting recognised for it. And the only way we can do that is by performing on a European level. Now, our favourite topic of the moment, COVID crowds. The knockback continues. So on Tuesday, Boris Johnson announced stricter rules around the gathering in groups. Of course, now we can't meet in more than six, inside or out. But what does this mean not just for the fans, but the clubs across the nation? The changes leave tiers three and four, the National League, truly unaffected, unless they're in a regional lockdown or otherwise stated by their local FA. I had a nice chat with um, Chorley FC this week, discussing... Um, how essential fan essential spectators i apologize are allocated and they came across saying that lancashire fa um stated that only players or parents of players who can't drive to the game management and committee members are allowed to attend games which is great if that's what if that's how they think that they can keep their players safe their community safe by all means carry on However, we know that actually it's not been like that from all clubs. For example, 
in my home county of Essex, you can go and watch any tier three or tier four <clears throat> women's side at your own free leisure. Of course, you have to sign in through the e-pass. E you have to um, make sure you socially distance, wear a mask if you can't socially distance, etc., etc. Like we have to do everywhere. But clearly, some FA, FA um, counties are deciding to do different measures than others. I think there needs to be a clear guideline. Again, though, this leaves tiers one and two with the most changes. So we all believed that come October, we'd start having some form of crowds in Tier 1 and 2, which is WSL and Championship. If you've not listened to our previous podcast, where we went through the whole of the English tier system. Please give it a listen. That's episode 4. We've got our exclusive interview with Nat Haig on there as well. Little plug in there. Um, so the recent test event between West Ham United and Arsenal and WSL, which took place week before last, we saw 734 fans make their way to the Chigwell Construction Stadium. Now, those who saw the game on TV would would have seen that in the main stand, fans were well distanced. However, behind the goal, not really the case. Quite a few crowds gathering. Maybe they're in the same household. I doubt it. There was quite a few together. Now, 12% of the ground was full on that day. So, with strict reinforcement of COVID rules, it would have been possible for fans to social distance. My main bone of contention, however, is if you take in consideration the size of the main stadium the WSL teams have, of course I'm talking about the London Stadium, Emirates, Goodison Park, Old Trafford, um, Etihad Stadium, etc, etc, etc. You're going to have... Obviously, they keep them solely for the use of the senior men's team, but be even safer with social distancing with the same number of fans. If you don't have concession stands open, stewarding costs would be the main expense, along with the usual utilities of obviously electricity for the gate, security, little bit. Honestly, I, I don't think the overheads would be as much if we didn't have the concession stands open. And I think fans would be willing to say, you know what, I can't get me a pint can't get me pie but you know what i can see some class quality football rather than sitting being an armchair fan like certain certain fans of men's teams so if we take for example that test event where 734 people attended the west ham arsenal game if that game was then moved to london stadium and the same amount of fans turned up because only season ticket holders could go to that game so one would assume that you'd have between 700 and 800 um, season ticket holders in the ground don't allow, allow away fans in which is a, a disappointment for those Arsenal fans but you got to do what you got to do on my calculations that means that 1.1% of the total capacity of the London Stadium would have been used for that game you could have easily social distance there yep the atmosphere wouldn't have been the same but it would have been better than what they've got at the moment it's mind-boggling why this hasn't happened before ticket sales are vital these teams staying in business so it needs to be done to address this one way clubs have found a way to raise funds for their teams is by using a donation button on their web pages i had a conversation with a fan earlier this week who told me all about how lewis fc have used this button in the form of a 12th man slash woman 
um, donate buttons where fans can make the one-off donation or recurring donation to the club for either their men's or women's team as they are both equally funded. Now, he then sends his donations to the women's team in lieu of ticket sales because he lives further away. He does that anyway. If more fans did that to their local team, hopefully you can build up that community spirit. They can then get more money into the club, hopefully stay afloat. Because it's not just the tier one, tier three, tier four teams who could lose their, their place, who could lose their club. I can honestly see championship teams, possibly even WSL teams, going into into the red quite heavily without these fans coming through the gates. For those people who've watched the Squad Goals documentary on BBC, you see how much West Ham lost through the game um, at the London Stadium with Tottenham. Yes, you had lots of fans in there. Yes, you had the concession stores open. X, Y, Z, a lot of, lot of overheads, a lot of advertising, a lot of free tickets going out there. We need to have something done about it. Hopefully, the government will perform a famous U-turn on the matter on fans returning to elite sporting fixtures. And the club main mainstayers allow the uses in the main stadium for the women's side to encourage the social distancing rules of six. Today, in fact, the Premier League have reportedly said um, that they're going to go to the government and basically hold them to ransom, saying that they will not bail out um, lower league men's teams if they're not allowed to have fans in the in the uh, grounds. So hopefully, I don't like I don't like them using these kind of tactics. But if it gets me in to go and see a WSL Championship game anytime sooner, fair play to them. Final bit of latest news we're going to look at has had I'm going to say all fans. Okay, make generalisation. All fans of the women's game in uproar. Of course, I'm talking about the Conti Cup chaos. This week saw the schedule for the Continental Cup released, with the kickoff times and coverage being the main bone of contention. The main fixtures kick off around 7 pm on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and they all, all games start from the 7th of October, week after next. Now, that is apart from a select group of games. I'm going to run through them quickly. So, in round one, which is on the 7th of October, we see in Group B, we see Spurs taking on New City Lionesses at 3.30pm. The 7th of October is a Wednesday, is what needs to be reminded as well here. And in Group C, Liverpool take on Manchester United at 2pm. And then in Round 2, Group C again, another Wednesday, 4th of November, Liverpool take on Man City, again at, you guessed it, 2pm. Now the fixtures were agreed by both parties, but it's not an ideal kickoff time to grow the game, is it? The Conti Cup n- games aren't usually well attended, as they are midweek. And some sides see it as a development competition until they get to the end latter stages, a lot like the EFL Cup in the men's game. But with the current situation, and given the fact that the amount of excellent talent coming across to the league, in, coming in across the league, it's going to be a great chance to showcase, showcase the fantastic game that we have and we love. Now, traditionally, the Conti Cup isn't televised either, apart from MUC, MUFC TV, who show their respective home games, which is great, but there's a major flaw, and that flaw is that the games are put behind a paywall. Now, it's unclear whether the Liverpool games will be shown on LSC TV. I've not seen anything personally yet. If you have, please let me know on Twitter. That's at UKWOWF. Um, but the same issues there with the paywall again. 
you have to subscribe to MUFC TV. You have to subscribe to LFC TV. But the main issue still remained that the majority of fans would be unable to see the action, regardless if it's on YouTube, if it's on BBC, if it's on free-to-air, paywall, anything, because they're either at work or at school. Now, given the fact that the 2pm kickoffs were finished by 4pm at the latest, it, it means that it's impossible to view. doesn't matter what, what situation it's in. Now, we've got a face fax. Nothing's going to change at the moment because it's two weeks till kickoff. But for once, it would have been nice for the clubs to take into the consideration the fans when showing the games, let alone, let alone the kickoff times. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, these games... Are then shown live so in some way. I'm not holding my breath. Now we look at our FA Cup quarterfinals. What a weekend of FA Cup football we have had. We have been treated to some fantastic games. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Everton fan. Now, I try and stay impartial, but it doesn't happen all the time. First of all, I will look at the Arsenal versus Spurs game. This game was on Saturday at 5pm, it was on BBC2, so not even Red Button, the flicker, the telly flickers could see that game straight away, I personally I thought it was a cracking game, Spurs held their own until later on that second half, but Arsenal do what they normally do, and I said this, I said this to my brother-in-law actually, when I saw watched it with him, we were socially distanced in a group of six, um, I said, Arsenal got one up here, they'll win by three or four, little, little do we know, after that, Jordan Nobbs chip for the first goal, which was given to her on a silver platter. Arsenal did go on to win 4-0. Lisa Evans scored a hat-trick to seal the game. And I said, Arsenal just did what they normally do. And to be honest, what they're going to do most of the season. Now, I personally think the 4-0 win, Lisa Evans' hat-trick, really, is the main talking point of the game. But of course, the media circus that is Alex Morgan was at the game. She was a substitute. We saw her warm up. We saw her in the stands. We saw her put a scarf on. We saw her going back to the changing rooms when she was an unused sub throughout the game. Take into consideration this. She had a big injury before then she gave birth. She hasn't played a game for a very long time. And truth be told, I can't see her playing next week either, to be honest, when Spurs take on who do they take they can't take on Manchester City away possibly could do actually as it's Man City and it is on actual TV so I stand corrected in all that <laughs> but the Alex Morgan show continues to roll on however Arsenal were dominant in this game and as per usual fantastic result for them next we move on to my personal highlight of the week Everton versus Chelsea this game was streamed on the FA Player, it was streamed on Everton TV, and it was also streamed on the Chelsea Fifth Stand app, I believe it's called. But please, Chelsea Sports Club, so correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this game is held at Goodison Park, obviously behind closed doors. Great to see the game played at the main stadium, like we talked about before. If they did that more, maybe we could have fans back in grounds. Who knows? Anyway, Aaron Cuffert put the visitors up after five minutes, and truth be told, it was the worst start for Everton. When Chelsea had gone 1-0 up after five minutes, I truly thought that here we go again. It's going to be another Bristol result, this one, 9-0. I was tempted to turn off, and my God, I'm glad I didn't. So Lucy Graham slotted home for the equaliser. 
And Russo could have quite easily made it 2-1 before half-time without some excellent defending from the Chelsea back line. One all at half-time. Govin and netted to make it 2-1. But to be honest, the player of the match was Alex MacGyver, the goalkeeper for Everton. My God, what a performance she put in. She was like a woman possessed in that goal. The To be honest, the only thing that went wrong for her was the Aaron Cuff, but goal, she made countless world-class save after world-class save and ultimately kept Everton in the game and won the game for them. They came out 2-1 winners and anyone who's followed my Twitter feed today, on Sunday this is as we record, you'll see that I um, I lost my uh, <laughs> impartialness, shall we say, when the final result came. Honestly, I try not to let it override me, but there you are. You can't help it, can you? Moving on, we then saw Brighton versus Birmingham. Now, this game was not televised anywhere. Bone of contention, there we are. But friend of the pod, pod Kelly Simmons, was there in the crowd. Um, So, really, I haven't actually seen this game yet. I'm just going off what I've seen on Twitter, what I've seen in reports. So, Birmingham led twice, but Brighton pulled it back to take the tie to extra time at 2 all. Extra time was a tight affair. Ultimately, game went to penalties, and Georgia Borgham uh, slotted home the winning penalty to take the shootout 4-2, which sets up Birmingham versus Everton in the first semi-final. It's going to be quite a good semi-final, that one. Very much looking forward to it, in a neutral perspective, as long as well as my, unbi- my biased perspective when I'm off the pot. Anyway, moving on, Leicester City versus Man City was the final um, semi-final this week. Leicester City, of course, are the only championship team remaining, and Leicester City were made to work hard against them. Chloe Kelly slotted home penalty to take it one, a 1-0 lead, and then George Stanway soon lobbed the, lobbed the oncoming Demi Lambon to score the second goal to secure a 2-0 lead. Charlie Devlin netted a penalty straight down the middle to pull, pull a goal back, but the cup champions had too much for them at the end of the day. A result nobody truly was surprised with. We all we all wanted Leicester to get the win as a little fairy tale for the cup, apart from the Man City fans, of course. But, as usual, City's class shone on throughout. Now, my little confession. I actually didn't realise the Championship was carrying on this weekend. Poor... Poor um, research there by Jamie, but there you are. Um, did tweet out the, the fixtures on our Twitter page, at UKWOWF. But there you are. We live and we learn. We carry on. So, the Championship. Durham played London City Lionesses. Beth Hempel scored the deciding goal in a 1-0 win. Then we see Crystal Palace taking on Blackburn. So, this game finished 3-2 to Blackburn with a late winner coming from Tasha Fenton. Um, Casal and Bianca Baptiste were on target for Crystal Palace with Richard, Richard and Stuart, a Stuart penalty at the goals for Birmingham. Lewis got an own early goal against Coventry United from Cleverly, which was enough to seal their win. We then see Liverpool secure another big win, 4-0 against Charlton Athletic. Jade Bailey netted the first goal with a Rachel Furness double and a Kirstie Lynette goal to secure that win for Liverpool. We also saw Sheffield United with a dominating win for 
4-0 against the London Bees. We had two goals from Melissa Johnson and two goals from Katie Wilkinson in a huge win for the Yorkshire club, who are going to be really pushing their way to get promotion to WSL this season. Now we'll move into our Northern Premier, our National Premier North section. We, as I said, these these fixtures are a little bit um, less detailed than we have for the FA Cup, mainly because you can't watch every one of these games. Um, same with the Championship. We try and get as much detail as we can, but the games aren't actually available until Monday to review. Obviously, we try and get the podcast out there for a Monday. I digress. National Premier North. We saw Burnley take on Huddersfield Town. Burnley secured a 2-1 win to maintain that 100% record. Katie Thomas bagged twice for Burnley with Brittany Stanton scoring a a, fun, a quite decent goal, to be fair, from what I've heard, to get the Huddersfield goal. There was a late penalty chance for Huddersfield Town, but they did miss that to level the game. Very tight game. Very well done to Burnley there. Next, we move on to Fylde, who, who won 3-0 against Middlesbrough. A dominant second-half performance saw Forster, Hollingshed and Rowe net all for Fylde. Carrying on, we see Hull City beating Sunderland 2-1. We saw Katie Thompson and Florence Pegram score for Hull City. And a, a, pen a penalty consolation goal for Kira Ramshaw for Sunderland. Moving on, we see Loughborough Foxes secure a 2 all draw with Stoke City. Knight scored um, one of the goals for Loughborough Foxes with Hughes and Dudley Jones getting the two goals for Stoke. However, on her birthday, we saw Steele get the equalising goal straight from a corner, whipped it in from that corner flag, straight into the net. Fantastic goal, and I honestly cannot wait to see that one. Please, Loughborough Foxes, if you're listening, get that up on Twitter so we can see it. Now, we normally had Nottingham Forest, who played Derby County. They Norton Forest ground, ground out the win to win 2-0. We had a rocket from Charlotte Steagles. And Rosie Atkin, At Axton scored the second for Norton Forest. Finally in the, Northern, in the Premier North, we saw Sheffield lose 5-0 at home to West Brom. We saw Stamps, Dugmore and Murray all grab a goal each with Arbor scoring a brace in a comprehensive win for the Vic visitors. Now, the National Premier South. We saw Chichester and Chelsea lose 1-0 at home to Yeovil, who ground out the win there with a Heatherston goal. Crawley Wasps lost for the first time in more than a year to MK Dons at home this week. A 77th minute Molly Corper goal. Molly, if I've got your name wrong, please tell me how to say it. Um, secure the win for MK Dons. Well done, MK Dons. Fantastic win for your first win of the season. Next, we moved on to Hounslow, who took a 4-0 beating from Gillingham, which was a great performance for their first win. We then see Canesham Town, narrowly defeated by Portsmouth, 2-1. Uh, Becky Bath and Rosie McDonnell on target for Pompey there. A huge win for Cardiff City away to Plymouth Argyle. We saw Ka Kylie no Nolan score a hat-trick. Jasmine Turner scored two, Libby Piggott scored a goal, and Kelly Isaac bag for a 7-0 win for the Welsh team. A long drive down to Plymouth for Cardiff, but a hell of a good drive on the way back. Well done, Cardiff City. Fantastic performance from you there. 
And in our final game for the National League Premier South, we saw Watford defeat Oxford United from behind 2-1. So the first goal of the game came from Peters for Oxford United. Then we saw Wiltshire and Ward bag for Watford to take the 2-1 win. That's tier three sorted. We'll now move into tier four. We're looking at the National Division One North. Again, these games are a little bit less in detail, to be honest, just through time constraints and um, information available. We saw Barnsley take on Bolton Ladies. Emily Perrypont scored a fantastic hat-trick for a 7-2 victory for Barnsley. Chester Street Town took on Norton and Stockton Ancients in a highly competitive game which finished 2-all. We saw Nicole Harvey and Anna Collins score for Chester Street Town. We saw Leeds United take on Durham Sestra, and Leeds run out 1-0 winners in that game. Liverpool Feds versus Chorley was postponed because of COVID reasons. <coughs> Sorry. Newcastle United versus Bradford was also postponed. They weren't told the reason for that one. Um, Newcastle have still to play a game this season, so hopefully they'll be able to get a game in midweek. Moving on, the final game that actually saw some action being played, we saw Stockport County take on Bryhurst Town. Um, Stockport County won, come out 3-1 victors with uh, Ferengo, Douglas Charlton scoring for Stockport County and Woodruff a penalty for Bryhurst Town. Now, National League Division 1, Midlands. Burton Arvin versus Sporting Calsa. I have been unable to find a result. So if you could please let me know what the result was. We can edit that in and put that in now. We saw Doncaster Rover Bells taking on Bedworth United. Doncaster Rover Bells won a 4-1 victory there. We saw a 9-goal thriller at Holwell Sports. Who took on Lincoln City. Lincoln City ran out 6-3 winners there in a very high scoring game. Long Beach United versus Baldwin St. Michael's was postponed. Wemtown took on Leafield Athletic. Wemtown ran out 2-1 victors there. And we saw Wolves taking on Sullyhorn Moors with Wolves running out 3-1 winners against their Midlands rivals. Now, while we're on the subject of the National League Division 1 Midlands, um, last week you hopefully heard about the Baldwin St. Michael's game where um, the result paled into significant insignificance really when um, we reported that Holly Rogers suffered a rather bad injury in that game. Um, I'm pleased to say I had a very brief discussion with Holly um, on Twitter this week. Um, she's confirmed that, um, that she's in quite a bit of pain at the moment uh, with her ACL um, injury. She hopes to be back soon. Obviously, it's going to take a long while to recover. Um, we hope to have a chat with Holly at some point in the near future, just about how she's doing, um, injury in general. Um, so, Holly, if you are listening, let us know you've listened. Um, hopefully, you'll be out there soon and performing the way we all know you can. Rest up and come back even stronger. Now, National Division 1, Southeast. Actonians took on Kent Football United in a 2-1 victory. We saw Billericay Town at home face Ipswich Town in a 3-0 win for Ipswich Town. Fantastic away performance for them. We saw Enfield Town taking on Leighton Orient. Enfield taking a 3-1 victory at home there. 
We saw Hashtag United taking on Cambridge at United at their new home ground at Canvey Island in their first home game as Hashtag United. They went out 3-1 winners in a quite competitive game from what I've heard. Very good result there. Well done, Hashtag. We saw Norwich City taking on Cambridge City in a 3-1 win for Norwich City there at home. And finally, Steve Lee took on AFC Wimbledon with the visitors running out 5-0 winners. Very good team seems to be compiled down there at AFC Wimbledon. Now we move into the finally we move into the National League Division One South West. Cheltenham Town one, Chesham United nil, Exeter City four, Pool Town two, Southampton FC five, Buckland Athletic one. This game was streamed on YouTube via Virgin Media through their sponsorship ties. Brilliant, brilliant show by Virgin. Hopefully they'll be able to do some more things like this soon. Um, really, hats off to them. Cannot say anything better about them, to be honest, at the moment. And our final result of the week sees Swindon Town 5, Barkhall Athletic 2. So... That that completes our rundown of the results. Quite a few there to get through. However, there are a lot more to get through next week. So let's have a look at next week's fixtures. So um, we'll be providing predictions on the um, FA Cup games and the WSL games and the Championship games. Um, we'll run through the fixtures for the National Leagues. However, I don't think I'm in a as much of an educated position as I could be to have predictions on those games. Anyway, moving on. So we see the FA Cup semi-finals in the midweek this week. On Wednesday, we see Birmingham City taking on Everton. That game is on BBC4 at 7.15pm. A, a great semi-final, to be honest. Um, neither, I've, well, I've had truth be told... I didn't see either of these two teams get into the semi-finals, and I'm an Everton fan myself. Um, I think that Everton will have too much quality for Birmingham in that game. But to be honest, it's the cup, magic of the cup. And on the night, any team could beat any other team, but I would go for a 2-0 victory for Everton in that game. Then on the Thursday, we see Manchester City versus Arsenal on BBC Two at 7.15. They could not have picked a better game to put on to BBC Two in prime time position than City versus Arsenal. We are going to see a ding-dong of a game, and I cannot wait. Honestly, this is one of the games that, when you look at the WSL fixtures, when they've all been released now, you look at them and think, oh, which game's going to be tasty? You see, obviously, City United, you see uh, City-Chelsea... And City-Arsenal is one of those games you go, whoa, that looks like it's going to be a mighty good matchup. We've got players like Chloe Kelly who have got their Arsenal tie there. We've got um, we've got Muse in there who's going to be trying to fight for her place in the team. We've got Lucy Bronze coming back, Alex Greenwood coming back. And let's not forget all the fantastic talent at Arsenal, such as Miedemar, Jordan Nobbs, Beth Mead, um etc, etc. The, the list goes on. I could sit here for another 25 minutes going through the fantastic teams that we've got. I can see this game going to extra time. I can see this tie going to penalties. And I could flick a coin and it could be either way. 
if you push me, to be honest, in their current form, I'd have to say Arsenal. Because they are blowing away teams like they're not even there. I'd go for Arsenal, but it's going to be a really close game. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this one go to penalties. Then we see a very comprehensive list of games in the National League this this week. So we see in the National League Division 1 North, we see on Tuesday, um, these games are at quarter, uh, 7.45 unless otherwise stated. So at 7.30 we have Norton, Stocks and Ancients taking on Durham Sestra. Bradford City versus Leeds has been postponed. And we see Chester the Street Town taking on Newcastle United. Hopefully first game for Newcastle there of the season. On Wednesday, all these games are at 7.45. We have Barnsley taking on Bryastown. Could be a very high-scoring game, that one. We have Bolton Ladies taking on Chorley. That game is postponed because of the COVID risk that they had at Chorley in the week. And we have um, Stockport County taking on Liverpool Feds. In the National League Division 1, the Midlands, we see all these games on Tuesday at 7.45. Bournemouth St. Michael's versus Bedford United is Bedworth United, sorry, is postponed. Lincoln City versus Doncaster Rover Bells. Um and Solihull Moors taking on Leafield Athletic. Now Wednesday. This game is what I've seen online is at two o'clock. If I'm wrong, please rep- please get in touch and let me know. But Long Eaton are taking on Holwell Sports at two o'clock. And at 7.45 Sporting Calsa are taking on Wolves. Moving into the National League Division 1. Tuesday games, 7.45 again. We have Cambridge City taking on Cambridge United. Big derby there, the Cambridge derby. Going to be a great game, I think, that one. Then we have Stevenage taking on Enfield Town. Wednesday at 7.45 again. We have AC Wimbledon taking on Kent Football United. Could be a big win there for Wimbledon again. We have Actonians taking on Leighton Orient and... A big Essex derby with Billericay Town taking on Hashtag United. Then in the National League Division 1 Southwest, on Tuesday at 7.45, we see Maidenhead United taking on Chesham United. Wednesday at 7.45, we see Southampton Women versus Southampton FC. Southampton derby there. Virgin Media, are we going to put that one on there as well? I'd love to see that game. And then on Thursday, all these games are at 7.45 again. We have Brislington versus Larkhall Athletic. Buckland Athletic versus Exeter City. Swindon Town versus Cheltenham Town. A good list of Tier 4 games there. Moving into the weekend's action, we see the Women's Super League return. Woo! So, on Saturday at 12.30, we see Aston Villa taking on Everton. This game is on the FA Player. Obviously, Villa haven't played against Everton last season because they've only just come up. Um... Obviously, Everton have got the game in midweek as well to contend with. I can see it being close. I can see an Everton win. Um, yeah, an Everton win for this one. To go three games unbeaten in the Super League. Then, on Sunday at 12pm, we see Manchester United taking on Brighton. On the FA player again. Close game. I can see a draw for this one, to be honest. Especially after the way Brighton performed against Man City. And they'll be... They'll be seething after the way they went out of the cup today. And then at 12.30 on Sunday, we see Man City taking on Spurs, which is on the red button and the FA player. 
as we said before, we could see the return, the start first game of Alex Morgan in a Spurs shirt. I still think it's too early for her to come back into the fold. But who am I? I don't know if it's too early or not. We'll, only time will tell if it is too early for her. Let's wait and see. All I can see, though, is a City win in that game. Obviously, depending on how they perform in the FA Cup. Speaking of FA Cup again, we have Sunday at 2pm. We have Arsenal FA Cup semi-finalists on Thursday taking on Bristol City. This game is on the FA player. Bristol, Bristol, Bristol. I honestly cannot see how this game is going to go well. They lost 4-0 in their first game against Everton. 9-0 in their second game against Chelsea. And I can see another big score for Arsenal coming up, which will lead to the Twitter Warriors saying how the WSL is not competitive. However, let's take consideration that Bayern Munich won their first game in the men's Bundesliga 8-0 last week. Non-competitive? I don't think so. So, Arsenal are going to win this game. It's going to be a big scoreline. Over five goals, I think. Hopefully, Bristol City proved me wrong and have been working really hard and training in the last couple of weeks. However, Arsenal are on fire. Bristol City's defence will be terrified. Sunday at 2.30, we see Birmingham City taking on Chelsea. This game is on BT Sport and the FA player. <coughs> Birmingham City will have that game in midweek, which could go against them. Chelsea will be, again, seething about the way they went out of the cup, about their performance that they gave in today. So hopefully they'll bounce back with a good win here. Um, I'd like to see Birmingham play like they did the first half against Man United, which will put them in good stead. And show that resolve that they showed today in the cup game against Brighton. Chelsea win, but I'd like to see Birmingham put up a good fight. And our final game of the WSL tees at 3 o'clock on Sunday sees West Ham United versus Reading. Now, West Ham have picked up one point this season. Reading picked up a comprehensive victory against Villa in their last game out. I can honestly see this game being very tight. This game's on the FA player, I apologise for that. The game's on the FA player. Um... I can see West Ham potentially nicking a win. I can see Reading picking a win. But honestly, I believe this game will end in a draw as well. Then we move into the Championship. So, all these games are at Sunday at 2 o'clock. No games have been released yet, to my knowledge, for the FA player. Um, we could have a pretty good guess which game might be on there. But we wouldn't like to surmise that. So... We see Charlton Athletic taking on Sheffield United. Big win for Sheffield, I see here against Charlton. The way they play today, I can see a big win coming. We see Coventry United versus Liverpool. Another big win for Liverpool again. Another 4-0, potentially. We see Leicester City taking on Durham. This is going to be a tight game. I can see this being a narrow Durham win, if not a draw. Again, I can see both teams scoring probably 2-1 this game. Finally, we move into London Bees versus Crystal Palace. Another tight game. Um, yeah, can't really call that one, to be honest. Another draw, I believe. And then London City Lionesses versus Lewis. I can see Lewis nicking the win away at London City Lionesses. Finally, with our fixtures, we have the National League, Tier 3, tier one, three and 4. We'll have no score predictions for these. We will just go through when they are. Um... And obviously who they're playing. So, National League Premier North. All these games are at Sunday at 2pm. We see File taking on Hull City. Huddersfield Town taking on Sunderland. 
Middlesbrough versus Barnsley. Nope, that's uncorrected. Middlesbrough versus Burnley. Sheffield FC versus Loughborough Foxes. Stoke City taking on Nottingham Forest. And West Brom taking on Derby County. In the National League Premier South, all these games are at 2pm on Sunday, unless otherwise stated. We see Gillingham taking on Watford. Canesham Town taking on Yeovil City. Yeovil Town. We see MK Dons taking on Hounslow. Um, Oxford United taking on Crawley Wasps, who will be looking to bounce back from their victory uh, defeat yesterday. Today. And at 2.30, we see Plymouth Argyle taking on Chichester and Selsey. Division 1 North. All these games are at 2pm on Sunday. We see Barnsley host Bolton Ladies. Chester Street taking on Norton Stockton Agents. Leeds United taking on Durham Sestria. Liverpool Feds taking on Chorley. Newcastle United taking on Bradford City. And Stockport County taking on Bryhouse Town. Division 1 Midlands. All Sunday games at 2pm. Bedworth United taking on Long Eaton. Baldwin St Michael's taking on Lincoln City. Holwell Sports host Doncaster Rover Bells. Leafield Athletic take on Sporting Kelsa. Wemtown versus Solihull Moors. And Wolves taking on Burton Albion. Division 1 South East. All games Sunday, 2pm. Actonians versus Enfield Town. Cambridge United versus Billericay Town. Hashtag United versus Norwich City. Ipswich Town taking on Cambridge City. Kent Football United taking on Stevenage. And Leighton Orient versus AFC Wimbledon. And finally, Division 1 Southwest, all games Sunday, 2pm. Chesham United taking on Brislington. Exeter City taking on Southampton Women's Football Club. Lark Hall, Lark Hall Athletic taking on Cheltenham Town. Mainhead United taking on Swindon Town. And Pool Town taking on Buckland Athletic. Now that just about wraps up the podcast this week. Once again, you can find us on our social media channels. We are on Twitter at UKWOWF. Give us a tweet. We always like to hear from our listeners. We are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Word on Women's Football Podcast. We are on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Word on Women's Football Pod. We are now on YouTube, where our goal of the month competition is. If you search Word on Women's Football Podcast, you will find our page on there. Please share the pod far and wide. Um, if one person passes the pod on to another person, who passes it on to another person, we get the word on women's football out there more. We can only grow this podcast with our fantastic listeners, and you are all, each one of you, fantastic. Really appreciate everything you do. Um, keep retweeting, keep uh, listening keep commenting, keep telling people how fantastic our game is because it is truly a brilliant game. So let's spread the word, the word on women's football.